Ezekiel 36. How many want to be near to God tonight? Near to God. As close as you can possibly be. Well, I've got a recipe for it. I want to start off in Ezekiel 36. Like I said, we ended here this morning. was the very last verse I read. Verse 25 of Ezekiel 36. It says, I will sprinkle clean water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. Some of you are thankful that we've been cleansed tonight from all of our filthiness. And he says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Father, anoint your word tonight. Put your spirit and your seal on the words you've put in my heart tonight for this church, for these people. God, we have a destiny here tonight. We have a, a call tonight, Lord. We've been talking about it today and we've, we know it's our vision, Father, to outreach, to evangelize. Then to disciple people and teach them the word of God and plant churches that would go and multiply the work tonight. God, we lift up Carrollton right now tonight as Pastor Dylan and Ashley are preaching your word tonight and ministering. And we thank you for the opportunity we had to send them out. God, we just ask that you'd grow that work. And we pray for all of our churches around the world, Father, as we are part of a humongous church tonight, God. And we're thankful for that. And we thank you for your blood that washes us. In Jesus' name, amen. So God wants to give us a new heart. He wants to give us a heart replacement, a heart transplant for the heart of stone that we have when we meet, meet the Lord, which has been built up by rejection and anger and problems and situations. And the more we're away from God, think about this as you're growing up in your, li in your life, the longer it takes for you to get saved, the harder your heart gets. Think about that. The longer it takes for you to get saved, the harder your heart gets. That's why statistically, it is very difficult for somebody in their 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s to get saved. Very difficult. Because the older you get, the harder your heart gets. And the heart, it's not that God can't do it, but there's a shell and, and it's built up and it get, we get more and more difficult to be able to receive what God wants to do in us. And that's why it's so important to reach out to kids so important to reach out to the youth. It's so important to get people to, to find the Lord when they're young. How many know that if you're here, and even if you were in your 20s or 30s when you got saved, you had a whole lot of junk in your life. That if you'd have got saved younger, you wouldn't have had to deal with. Some of us here tonight are still dealing with stuff from our past. Not that it's not under the blood and not forgiven, but there's still things there that rise up in us. And, and, and we're, we don't really even realize it sometimes. We think, man, where did that come from? It's because we've built up stuff over all those years. And so there's a hardness in our heart. And we have to come to the Lord and we have to say, God, take this hard heart and give me a heart of flesh, meaning a moldable heart, a teachable heart. Amen? And he says, this is the amazing thing to me. I never stop being amazed at this, that God of the universe, the God of the universe wants to put his spirit in me. How many, how many are amazed by that? Does that blow anybody else away? We're not talking about a man or a woman or some famous person. The God of the universe wants to put his spirit in me. That doesn't even make sense. 
And that's what he's saying here. He said, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit. And he says, I'll put my spirit within you. What a privilege. Here's the key I want you to see tonight. Psalms 34, 18. You don't write it down. It's a short verse, but here's the key, key verse for the message. How to be near to God. Psalms 34, 18 says, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Now, when I say broken heart, I'm not meaning broken heart in the way that you are thinking. It means a heart that is able to be affected by his spirit. doesn't mean a broken heart like someone broke my heart in a relationship. It means that we are moldable. It means that we're able to be uh, taken sometimes like the potter's clay in Jeremiah and thrown on the ground. And he picks us back up and puts us back together the way he wants us to be. That's the brokenness he's talking about. You'll find that the more broken you are in your life, the more uh, difficult times you go through, you'll find in those times how close God is. How many would be honest and really realize that tonight? Difficult times aren't fun. But you really see in difficult times how real God is. You really see that he is what he says he is because he's there when nobody else is there. And if we don't go through those difficult times and if we don't go through struggles and we don't go through sometimes the lack of of feeling his presence like we want to feel, we don't really realize how real he is. And you look at some of the stories in the Bible and you see how, you know, like Job. Man, Job really realized that his Redeemer lived as he had lost everything he had. But it doesn't mean you have to lose everything you have to get to that place. But he says, here's what he says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. Now, contrite is a word I'm going to use several times tonight, and I want to tell you what it means. Definition. When you know when we break a word down and we use a definition, we get other words that would make more sense to us than maybe the word we're hearing. I might say contrite, and some people might go, okay, I got that, I know what that is. Others might go, I'm not sure what that is. And others might say, I have no idea what that is. So the definition of contrite is a feeling or expressing of remorse. So if we say that with that definition, it says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have feelings or express remorse. So he's near to those who repent. He's near to those who are always looking for a right spirit with God. Another part of different, or definition is affected by guilt. Meaning I'm, I feel bad for what I do. How many know when you're near to the Lord, think about this, when you're not walking near to the Lord, it's easy to sin. And you'll find that when people are sinning a lot and doing things they shouldn't do, they're not walking close to the Lord. Because you cannot see, let me say that again, you cannot be walking close to the Lord and sin like that. So if you're walking close to the Lord, there is a guilt there, and it doesn't say condemnation, but there's a remorse, and something in you says, God, I am sorry for doing that. I really don't wish, I wish I wouldn't have done that. And it's, it's a, a real heaviness, and that's what the broken heart means. It says, remorseful, repentant, penitent, regretful. 
sorry, apologetic, ashamed, conscious stricken. Those are some things where we're realizing that God is so holy, God is so big, God is so good, I don't want to hurt him. I don't want to hurt him. I want you to think about something before I go to the next one. I want you to go to Psalms 51. I want you to think about something. Something that changed me big time in my life. Hopefully you can use it tonight in your life. What, what I began to think of is, think about this when we're dealing with people. In any aspect. Your kids, people at work, people at church, people in, in school, people in the supermarket, anywhere. When we begin to look at people in a way that we know them, we're less prone to treat them in a way that we shouldn't. Here's an example. I, I've, told, I, I've told a few people this. Um, guys, in general, around the world, look. They're lookers. Okay? They're attractive to women by what they see. And a lot of guys are and not very ashamed of that, and they'll just check girls out with no matter who's looking. And there's been times I've been at the basketball court, and I play it like 24-hour fitness, and so that there's a basketball gym and there's glass, and then you see the gym. So you, from the basketball court, you can see the gym, and in certain ones closer than others. And there was a guy just a few weeks ago who's my age, he's in his 40s, and he, he kept looking out the glass. He kept looking out the glass and staring. And that you could tell the face he was making. He was checking out a girl. He just kept doing it and kept doing it. And he was calling other guys over and they're just checking this girl out. And I got a little mad. I got a little angry in a good way. And I went over to him and I said, man, do you have a daughter? And I knew he did. He said, yeah, I do. I said, how would you like somebody to be checking out your daughter like you're checking out that girl right now. He didn't have much to say. He sobered up real quick. What are you going to say? When we begin to realize that whoever we're dealing with in life is somebody's daughter, somebody's son, somebody's brother, somebody's mother, somebody's sister. Y'all with me? It should help us to think, man, would I want somebody to treat my brother, sister, mom, dad, whatever, like that. It should stop us and say, my God, I would not want anybody to treat that person that I know like that. I don't want to treat someone like that because I wouldn't want them to treat my son, daughter, brother, sister like that. And that was something I tell the guys a lot in men's discipleship. I say, listen, you've you got to realize that's somebody's daughter you're checking out. That's somebody's mom you're checking out. That's somebody's sister you're checking out. Start thinking about that. And I, I wonder sometimes why God didn't let us have kids before we were teenagers. Would have been totally different. It would have been a lot more respect. Amen? But how many follow and get, get the idea of what I'm trying to say with that? If you'll look at that person and get an understanding that that is somebody's family member, it would help us treat people different. So David says a, a familiar verse. I'm going to read a familiar verse to you, then I'm going to show you one that's not so familiar as we're talking about how to be near to God. Psalms 51, verse 10. We know this. Create in me, David's prayer, is a clean heart. Create in me a clean heart. See, we're, we're seeing David pray and ask God, God, I need you to, to do something in me. I can't do this myself, but I'm asking you, I'm giving you permission. 
to come in and create a clean heart in me. How many know that God will not do anything that you not, do not allow him to do? He was a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on you. And, but when you say, Lord, come in and create a clean heart in me, oh God, he'll do it. He'll do it when you ask. And he says, and renew, and here's some words we've been seeing all day. Renew a steadfast spirit within me. Don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of my salvation and uphold me by your generous spirit. Now, many of us have heard that. It's a very common prayer. It's a very common verse. But what you might not have heard or read too much or as much is down in verse 17, which leads us to what we're talking about again tonight, how to be near to God. The sacrifices, verse 17 says, of God are again, we see it, a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. So when I begin to say, God, I want to be near to you, the definition of being near to God is understanding that God draws near to me when my heart is remorseful. God draws near to me when I'm contrite, when I'm sorry, when I'm regretful, when I'm honest. And I really mean what I say. That's when God draws near to me. Amen. When he sees in me a true and real heart of repentance for whatever. I mean, you say, well, what, what are we talking about here? Well, there's all kinds of things. We deal with stuff every single day. Every single day as human beings, we deal with pride. Every single day, we deal with lust. Every single day, we deal with the flesh. We deal with our self-will. What our bodies, what our thoughts, what our minds, what our desires want to do, there's every single day. We deal with jealousy. We deal with sinful habits. We deal with stubbornness. We deal with all kinds of things. I could go on with the list, but you get what I'm saying. Those are the things that we have to allow God to break in us. Allow God to break in us. God is not just going to come automatically and just break your pride. You have to say, Lord, I humble myself. I don't want pride in my life. I break myself in a, in a way, it's an attitude. I break myself for you to break me. Does that make sense? I'm, bringing, I'm coming to a place where I allow you in to do these things. I don't want pride. I don't want self-will. Not my will be done, but your will be done. I don't want to be stubborn. I don't want to be jealous. I don't want to be angry. I don't want sin in my life. These are attitudes you have and you're saying, God, come in. Come in and be real close to me so that I won't do these things. When we feel that brokenness, God is able to mold us. Think about that. When we feel that brokenness, that's when God is able to mold us. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 57 and show you another really powerful verse tonight. Isaiah 57. Give me some amens when you get there. Powerful, powerful. This, I kind of started off with this tonight. The amazingness of the fact that God is the creator of the universe, that he's so big, and so awesome, and so amazing, and he deals with me. We can't, I, I, just, I can't stop thinking about that. It's just so amazing to me. I never stop being amazed that God deals with me. Just a person. And that he wants to deal with me, wants to be involved in my life. He's not like a dad a lot of people don't know. He wants to be involved in your life. 
lot of people struggle with that father relationship because dad wasn't there. Well, guess what? God wants to be there. God wants to be in every step of your life. He wants to be at every game. He wants to be at every event. He wants to be at everything that happens in your life. He wants to be there. Let him be there. It says he draws near to that brokenness of heart and that contrite spirit. Maybe sometimes we're not feeling God like we want to feel him because we're pushing him away. We're pushing him away. We, 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 we don't want him to come close. We think, and it kind of goes back to that Barabbas thing we saw that video last week where we kept putting the chains back on ourselves. And God says, give me the chains. We put them back on. He says, give me your sin. We put the sin back on. We don't understand. He doesn't want us to carry that. He wants to carry it. He already carried it. But we want to keep putting it back on us because some of us, that's all we know is pain. That's all we know is, is being broken and not in the way I'm talking about with God. It's just being down. Some, some people don't know anything but misery. They don't know anything but pain. They don't know anything but, 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 but burden. And God's saying, man, I want to come near to you and I want to take all that off of you. I don't want that to be on you. I want to spend time with you. I want to be near you. And he's saying, here's how. So it says, verse 15, thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. That's pretty awesome, man. God says, I am holy. I am the inhabitant. I inhabit eternity. How many, how many people say that? I inhabit eternity. I am holy. And one of my favorites is, I, I just am. I am. Does anybody else love that? He just says, I am. Who are you? I just am. I just am whatever you want me to be, whatever you need me to be, whatever I want to be. I'm God. I am. I'm the holy one. I'm the, uh, who, who, who inhabits her eternity. I'm the high and lofty one. He says, I dwell in the high and holy place. Now think about that. I dwell. This goes back to the holiness message a couple weeks ago. I dwell in the high and holy place. So we think about that as human beings, and we just look up, and we can't, we can't see where the sky ends on a sunny day. We can't see anything past the stars on the night. And we think, man, God is so far away. And in a way, he is in his power. He's far. He's way up there. We can never reach him. We can never get up to him. There's no way I could get up there. He's, he's so far away. Do you realize that? He's so far away. Yet at the same time, he's so close. He's so far away when we don't draw near to him. But he wants to be close. He's so powerful, but he wants to stand by our side. And he says, I dwell in the high and holy place. I dwell in the high and holy place. But guess what? Guess who he dwells with? Guess who he dwells with? Read on. With him or her who has a contrite and humble spirit. Y'all capturing that? The God who strung the stars in the sky. The God who created all these galaxies and universes that we can't count. The God who's so far away in our mentality that we'd never reach him says, I dwell up there, but I dwell, I dwell with someone who's humble and contrite in spirit. If you have that right spirit, you're standing right here with me. Right here. That's crazy. That God is so close. 
How many have ever felt him so close? Undeniable. He's right here. I felt him. You feel him. You know he's there. Yet he's, in, 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 in our mentality, he's so far away because he's so big. That's what was so amazing as we were talking a couple weeks ago about how he came down from heaven and, and said, and I want to reiterate this again for anybody who wasn't here. He said, how, how, can, I, how can I interact? How can I, how can I connect with people, humans? How can I do that? I'm so, I'm so big. I'm so powerful. How can I do this? How can I show them how much I love them? And I was telling somebody when I was talking about this, there was one of those things that the Holy Spirit gave me. It wasn't in my notes and it wasn't planned. And I started thinking about lightning. And I started thinking about fire from heaven. And I started thinking about storms. And I started thinking about the flood. And I started thinking about when he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah with, with fire. And I started thinking about all these things that that's kind of what we would do if we were God. We'd be like, we would just, right? Wouldn't we do that? Anybody else? Yeah. We would just, we would just throw stuff up, blow stuff up. We would do all that stuff. And God was like, I want to reach him, but this ain't working. And not in a way again, like it was a second thought, but the idea is, he says, I know how I'll go connect. I'm going to stop showing them my power and I'm going to become as low as I possibly can. Matter of fact, I'm going to go lower than they would ever expect. That's what's crazy. He didn't just come down. He could have came down and lived in a penthouse. He'd still been on earth. He'd still been with us. But we still had to get up to him. And he didn't just come down to the earth. He went as far low as you can. He didn't even go to an inn. He went to a manger. Born in a barn. Went to the lowest of lows. And then that's why we know how and why the Jews missed him. They weren't looking for someone in a manger. They weren't looking for a king in a stable. They were looking for a king like kings walk with a crown and with jewels and with power, telling people where to go and what to do. And this, this God says, you know what? I'm not going to tell people what to do. I'm going to wash people's feet. I'm going to go and I'm going to get on my knees and I'm going to wash their feet. I'm going to eat with sinners. I'm going to go to the very low of the very low so that I can relate to everybody. And that's how God came down and said, I'm going to relate to people. I'm going to connect with humanity by becoming humanity. He who knew no sin became what? Sin. So that we could become the righteousness of God. When you stop and think of those verses, it should sober you and say, my God, how is it possible that you would do that for me? You know what I'm going to do for you? I'm going to live the rest of my life for you. I am going to live the rest of my life for you and I'm going to give up anything I have to give up and I'm going to go anywhere I have to go and I'm going to do anything I have to do because you have already done so much for me and I'm not going to complain about having to do it because God, it's that, that's stupid. I'm not going to complain about it. I'm going to say, I count it all joy even when sufferings abound because it is a miracle that the God of this universe would want to connect with me, would want to have a relationship with me and would want me to be in his high and holy place. Y'all still looking at this verse? It's prophetic. 700 years before Jesus came to the earth, he says, I'm up here, but whoever's contrite and humble in spirit can dwell with me in the high and holy place. And then it closes this verse. It says, to revive the spirit of the prideful. 
What does it say? To revive the spirit of the contrite or the humble. And to revive the heart of the contrite ones. Who is the contrite ones again? Remorseful, repentant, regretful, sorry, apologetic. You know, some people are never sorry for anything. I think, I'm sorry for everything. Sorry for everything I do wrong. I don't want to, be, I don't want to do wrong. I, I want to be right with God. I want to please the Lord. Does anybody else in here want to please the Lord? In your heart of hearts, you want to please God. It's not just because I'm, I, I know he's God and he's holy and he's mighty and he's amazing and the fear of the Lord should draw me to that. But the closer I've got to God over the years, I've never lost my fear of him. But now I do it more out of love than I do out of fear. I still fear him because he's still God. He can still do anything he wants. I'm not so close to him that I don't fear him. I revere him because he's God. But at the same time, I, now I do things because I'm so thankful. Like Pastor Andrew said this morning, I'm so thankful that he died for me. I'm so thankful that I know that I've got an eternal home waiting for me. I'm so thankful that my name is in the Lamb's book of life. Amen. That no matter what I'm going through in this life, I'm happy. I'm happy. Amen. How many are happy tonight? Because you know where we're going. Amen. We, we, are, we are in with the king. And watch what this, this verse continues on to say. Let me read back it. Oh, sorry, I want you to go to Isaiah 66. We're in 57, correct? Go to 66. This is a verse I have on my desk. It's always been right in front of me. It's one of my favorites. Isaiah 66, 2. Give me an amen when you get there. For all those things... My hand has made and all those things that exist. And so I like this again because in the second time in a row, in two verses, he says, just in case you forgot, I'm God. Just in case you forgot. We have a saying here on earth, I'm the man. God says, I'm the man. I am. Just in case. He doesn't say it pridefully. He's just like, just making sure you still know. I'm I'm God. Right? I'm the man. I'm him. I'm it. He says, all the things that you see, I made them. That beautiful sunset, that beautiful sky, that beautiful river, that mountain, I made it. All the things that exist, I made it. I said, let there be light. There was light. That's me. And then he says, but, says the Lord, but on this one will I look. On this one will I look. Now, I'm just going to stop for a second because this is so different from where the world works. If some powerful president, politician, famous person, actor, whatever, rich person was in here tonight and was talking like I am right now and was talking about all the things he is or the things she is, they would not be looking out and saying, guess who I hang out with? Guess who my best friends are? They would be name-dropping and they would be talking about the cars and the power and the money and the things they have and the things they do and the places they go. And they'd be saying, these are my friends. And you see that all those people run together. They're not going to hang out with poor people. They're not going to hang out with people who don't have what they have. But God says, you know who I like to hang out with? I like to hang out with people who are poor and of contrite spirit. 
Now, he didn't say that poor in, in money. Poor in spirit. Poor and in contrite spirit. So it's weird because you'd think he'd want to hang out with people that were powerful like him. But we are powerful when we become less. Y'all still here? We're powerful when we become less. Less is more. Less of me and more of him. The closer I get to him, the more I fall in love with him, the more I say, God, I'm nothing. I'm broken. I realize I have no power. I realize I have nothing to give. And God says, that's exactly where I want you to be. I want you to be in that place of, of brokenness. That's, how I draw, that's who I draw near to. He says, on him who is poor. So this is the part I have on my desk. I look, this is the one I look on because I want God to look at me. I want him to look at me. I want God to be close to me. I, I really don't care if you look at me. I want God to look at me. I don't really care if anybody else. I want God to look at me. So I say, what, who does he look at? Okay, on him who's poor and contrite of spirit and who trembles at his word. Who trembles at his word. So that brings in the part of staying in the attitude of respect. Right? Respecting the fact that, that he is God. I think some people mess around and play with that a little bit too much. And they just be like, yeah, I'm the head and not the tail. And they just kind of just, they, they, they pridefully say that stuff. But they don't realize, I'm only the head and not the tail because of Jesus. I'm only saved because of Jesus. Not because of anything I did or could do. Anybody getting what I'm saying tonight? You draw near to God and God draws near to you when you're at your most humble place. When you're at your most broken place. I want to finish in Psalms 34 where we started. If you'll go back there and read a couple of verses we didn't read. Psalms 34 and I'm closing. Don't say amen there. Good job. Everybody, that would be bad. If everybody, amen. You passed the test. So I'll preach another 20 minutes. Good job. Awesome. But I won't. Psalms 34, 18, we started there. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. And then it goes on to say in verse 19, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He guards all his bones not one of them is broken. If you remember, that was the prophetic word from, from Easter talking about Jesus. That verse right there, he guards his bones. Not one of them is broken. Evil shall slay the wicked. All those who hate the righteous shall be condemned. Remember that. If you're righteous tonight, don't worry. Those who hate you, they're going to pay the fiddler. That's why the Bible says vengeance is mine says the Lord. Listen, the world, let the world sh shout and let the world act crazy. But when it's all said and done, God is going to defend those who have lived for him. He is going to defend us. Can you say amen? Come on. He is going to stand up and say, I am the righteous judge. Those are my kids and those who have hated us will be condemned. And the Lord redeems the soul of his servants. The Lord redeems the soul of his servants. And listen to this. 
This is awesome. None of those who trust in him shall be condemned. None of those who trust in him shall be condemned. Musicians, you can come. That's why when I talk about that message about condemnation and conviction, I say it so clearly that when you're being condemned, that's not God. When you are feeling condemned for something, God's not in that because God does not condemn those who trust in him. When you are feeling convicted, that's a good thing because conviction is drawing you to repentance. And repentance is what a contrite spirit is. Repentance is the place that I go when my spirit says, I'm sorry for what I just did. God, I don't want to be far from you because I want to be close to you. So I'm going to draw near to you and you're going to draw near to me with my broken heart. Let's